Massive show today. We're going to be talking all about the Biden administration's internal leaked documents on mass irregular migration when Title 42 is lifted. We're also going to talk all things Elon Musk and Twitter. But before we do that, it's time for some TPUSA announcements. Let you guys know what's going on around here. Socialism sucks. Episode two of this season is dropping tomorrow. I'm going to be a part of that. We're going to be talking all about the CCP's Belt and Road Initiative. What does it mean for them? What does it mean for their plans more broadly? And what does it mean going forward for the world economy and foreign affairs? The other thing, just to let you guys know, the Young Women's Leadership Summit is coming up June 2nd to 4th, Dallas, Texas. Make sure you go and get your tickets. Um, tpusa.com slash YWLS. Use promo code POSO to get some off the ticket price. YWLS at turningpointusa.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily powered by Turning Point USA. Today's top stories. Elon Musk, tech billionaire, buys a 9.2 stake in Twitter, making him the largest shareholder and has now been given a seat on the Twitter board. Next, the Senate Judiciary Committee is split 11-11 along party lines over the KBJ nomination, forcing a confirmation vote delay. Third, the CCP is deploying the military to enforce the Shanghai lockdown. And finally, we've got new details on this, the Biden administration's mass migration plan offering a broad scale release mechanism. All this and more ahead, Human Events Daily. And I have a quick question on, uh, on Elon Musk and him picking up a 9% stake in Twitter, which makes him the largest shareholder in the company. Uh, obviously, the White House uses Twitter quite extensively, uh, and Musk has been very critical of President Biden. I'm wondering if there is perhaps any recalibration of the use of the platform or to what extent, uh, you know, uh, the White House is using Twitter going forward. Uh, it's a decision of a private sector leader. I don't have any specific comment on it, but I expect we will continue to use Twitter as, as you all will I, as well, I would expect. Well, that was White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. Not long for that position, by the way, as we broke on human events last week and then later the rest of the media found out that Jen Psaki would be moving on for, I don't know if they're greener pastures, but there's certainly some type of pasture over there for her at MSNB say she's going to be going and working on now not necessarily filling Rachel Maddow's position but she's going to be having a show of her own on the Peacock so she's going to be on the Peacock we're very excited for Jen Psaki and we can't wait to see what she puts out on the Peacock but the massive story probably one of the biggest stories of this week in terms of freedom of speech and in terms of the tech marketplace the marketplace of ideas the public square Elon Musk the enigmatic billionaire from the tech world, going and buying up 9.2% of Twitter, becoming its largest shareholder. And now we're hearing just uh, breaking this morning that he is going to be given a seat on the board of Twitter. Now, all of these things are very interesting and for a lot of reasons. But one thing that I really want to draw people's attention to is the fact Elon Musk, Jack Dorsey, Joe Rogan, what do all these people have in common? What's the common thread that unites all of them? They're all free thinkers to an extent, but Elon Musk taking a charge lead, Elon Musk taking the leadership role at Twitter isn't about Elon Musk directly. It's also about Gen X. This is about Gen X finally standing up and taking their agency in the world. And what do I mean by that? Well, remember Gen X was always the, the generation that said, we don't care. 
we don't want any control. We don't want any authority. We don't want anyone to have power over us. That was the whole thing. It was the anti-establishment generation. But then something happened along the way with Gen X where they became the side that started started supporting this sort of anti-establishment establishmentarianism, right? And what I mean by that, you know, you had so many people from Gen X that were supporting the leadership boards of places like Twitter and Facebook as they went further and further and further left. And so for most people in Gen X, it's this idea that they don't want to be political. They want to be apolitical. They don't want to get involved. They just want to be able to live their lives and, you know, don't tell me what to do. It's the don't tell me what to do generation. And then something came along called millennials. And millennials started getting power at all of these various institutions. Millennials who grew up watching TV shows like Glee, being on Tumblr, Zoomers as well. And they became these hyper activists. So millennials are the hyper activist generation. And as we look at Zoomers, Zoomers are even more disparate on this. Zoomers have no middle. You're either on one side or the other solely. There's no middle when it comes to Zoomers. But what happened was Gen X saw themselves in these leadership positions and then saw these increasing levels of activism coming up in places where they told themselves that there isn't supposed to be any kind of activism. It's supposed to be, don't tell me what to do. And so a sort of inverse feedback loop came about because of this and what happened. So Elon Musk is going into Twitter, not saying that he wants to take over Twitter, not saying that he wants to tell people what to say, not, tell, not that he wants to tell people what to believe, not because he wants to push climate change or war in any part of the world, any one of those things. No, no, no. He's saying that he wants to go to Twitter with a mission of restoring the principle of freedom of speech and free expression. This idea that if Twitter is going to be the marketplace of ideas, and it clearly is in the digital space, in the digital world, the digital dimension, that he wants it to be an even playing field where all ideas are actually able to be able to have merit. You can argue them, you can debate, you can go back and forth. You can say, well, I believe this, I believe that. What's your set of facts? Here's what I've got, here's what I've got. You can fight it out. Not people coming in with the band hammer, striking people down. And I want people to understand that a lot of this has to do with where Gen X is coming from. Again, the don't tell me what to do, don't tell me what to say, don't tell me what to wear generation. Now, those people who famously eschewed politics for so long are now getting involved because things have gotten so crazy. And this isn't going to be the start of it. You're going to see so much more Gen X activism. Almost every day we hear about another major corporation that has gone woke, tormenting their employees with leftist propaganda and funding organizations who seem to hate this country, traditional values, and the Constitution. And that is why I am proud to promote Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative cell phone provider. They offer the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers. So you get the same great service, plus the peace of mind that your money is going to support free speech, life, and liberty. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget, and their 100% U.S.-based customer support team provides exceptional customer support. Patriot Mobile shares your values and supports organizations fighting for religious freedom, constitutional rights, the sanctity of life, and our veteran and first responder heroes. Go! to patriotmobile.com slash POSO. Take action. You get free activation with promo code POSO and veterans and first responders save even more. So make the switch today. It is time to support companies that love America, love you, and share your values. Stop giving your money to people who hate you. Patriotmobile.com slash POSO. That's patriotmobile.com slash POSO. 
I am committed to serving as an even-handed Supreme Court justice if I'm confirmed by this body. And I have a record over the past decade that's precisely how I've treated all of my cases. And I've been serving in the District of Columbia, both as a trial judge and as an appellate judge, and we see some of the most politically contentious issues. My record demonstrates my impartiality. Okay, so we're following, of course, the latest developments in the confirmation battle that's turned into a really battle with KBJ, Katanji Brown-Jackson, her nomination for the Supreme Court, the first nominee for President Biden to be able to get up on the Supreme Court for the retirement of Justice Breyer. But just yesterday, the Supreme Court uh, hearing that was held, a vote came down 11-11, the committee was split in the Senate Judiciary Committee. So how is it split? Because typically the committees, they have an odd number. Well, actually one member on the Democrat side actually wasn't there. And that's how you're able to have this split. So what happens in these situations? Well, certainly it creates a lot of tension, a lot of political pressure. I want to pump the brakes for a lot of people right now. I think that unless you start seeing large scale defections, that KBJ, as we've been telling you all along, we're examining her record, and we're going to tell the truth about what her record is. And we've talked about these cases involving child pornography. We've talked about these cases involving acts that were done against toddlers in some of the images. But that being said, you've got three moderate Republicans who have already come out and said that they were going to support her. You've also got several moderate Democrats who came out and said they were going to support her, like Manchin and then Kelly, who represents uh, Senator Kelly, who represents Arizona, which is, of course, a very purple state. And so if you don't have people that are at the moderate wings of the party that are willing to flip on anything or willing to swing in any direction, then it just comes down to math. The math ain't on your side. So what you've got to do then, if you're someone who's on the side, if you're a conservative, if you have someone who stands up for the rule of law, of the protection of children, if you want to actually go and lock up people who are the purveyors of this kind of content, of this kind of activity, you've got to go to those senators directly in those states, like West Virginia, like Arizona, like Utah, Alaska, Maine, and go to the senators directly and call them out. Otherwise, it ain't going to work because they've all met with her. So Senator Mitt Romney came out and said that he's going to support her. Now, this is an interesting for Romney because, of course, he ran as the principled conservative uh, running for Senate. He was also the presidential nominee for the GOP in the year 2012. You know something interesting? I was actually, uh, so I was tweet mining uh, Mitt Romney's Twitter account yesterday. And I said, you know, this is really weird to me because... This is a guy who campaigns as a pro-life candidate. In 2012, he came up with this huge statement that he pivoted on the abortion issue. And what did he mean by that? Well, he said, because when he ran for Senate all the way back in 1994, he actually ran as a social liberal when it came to issues like abortion. He ran as somebody who said that he was to the left of Ted Kennedy, who he was running against at the time, Massachusetts Senate. He later became governor of Massachusetts. He ran on a strong pro-choice platform. That's just true. That's a fact. You can go look that up. Everyone can see this 1994. Then in 2012, he says, well, I had this conversion and, you know, I was looking into stem cell research and I found out how these, these fetuses were being treated and I decided now I'm pro-life. Okay. And then he comes out yesterday and says, I'm going to vote for Ketanji Brown Jackson, who is a massive abortion supporter. 
So when I look at this and I look at a politician like Senator Mitt Romney, there's two ways to look at it, right? There's the way that he wants you to look at it, that he's a passionate supporter of the Constitution, that he's a passionate supporter of principled conservatism. Or you could look at it as a guy who puts his finger to the wind, who doesn't actually have any principle at all, and his only principle is politics. And the only thing he cares about is himself and his own legacy and his own rank, his credential. He just wants to be so. Remember, his dad ran for president. He ran for president. They both failed. But then his dad became governor of Michigan. He became governor of Massachusetts and later finally senator from Utah, just moving around until he can find something he can run for and win. These people are part of a political class. Do not believe anything they tell you because they could flip on a moment's notice. They are using you. They're telling you what you want to hear. They're telling you one thing when they run. And then when they get into office, they turn around and do something else. So KBJ is going to be on the Supreme Court. Perhaps Ketanji Brown Jackson will be our first Disney Supreme Court justice. We know how she's going to rule on these things. She's ruled the exact same way when she's been on the appellate bench year after year after year. We know what her judicial philosophy is. We know what her rulings are. Mitt Romney knows what his rulings are. This is going to come down for 30 years. For 30 years, she's going to be making these rulings on the Supreme Court. So Mitt Romney, all the other senators that are supporting her, understand she is now part of your legacy as well. And you will be remembered for your vote all throughout history. So last week, I took Tanya Tay up to the Pocono Mountains, and we caught the last weekend of skiing uh, because Tanya loves, my wife absolutely loves skiing. It's her favorite thing to do. But we went up there, and I went myself, and I said, you know what? I'm going to try it again. So what did I do? I wore my undertacks. And I got to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, we were on that mountain in the Poconos for eight full hours of skiing. My undertacks held up like never before. I am telling you, undertack has to be the greatest boxers ever made because they cover all the bases, high quality material that is antibacterial, anti-pilling, and moisture wicking so you stay fresh and dry all long. They were battle tested by US Special Forces. Sturdy, yet comfortable, an extra wide waistband, and the fly design actually makes sense. Trust me on this, fellas. Undertack is durable, ultra-light, fade-resistant, and shrink-resistant. Here is the best part. They are almost 30% less than the competition. You go to getundertack.com. That's getundertack.com today. They are running a special offer this month. You buy three, you get one free with promo code POSO. That's promo code POSO, P-O-S-O, at getundertack.com. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. That's a great American company that is unapologetically pro-America, pro-2A, and pro-military. So buy three, get one free today. Go to getundertack.com today. Arriving on high-speed trains, planes, and buses, thousands of healthcare workers have arrived in Shanghai. Suitcase laden and masked up, they've been recruited to help carry out mass COVID-19 testing of the city's 26 million residents. Testing the megacity is no easy feat. And so far, 38,000 healthcare workers and medical personnel from across the armed forces have been drafted in from nearby provinces to get the job done, according to state media. So the city of Shanghai, the place where, look, I lived there for two years. For a lot of reasons, I have this, this, this feeling of, I remember the people there, 
I remember the host family that I would stay with, that I would, you know, have dinner with day after day, that they accepted me at their house. So the way it worked when I was in this program in China, um, I was part of this, um, you know, foreign student program, your basic study abroad kind of setup thing where, and then they have a host family and they're, you know, they're, you pay a little extra and then you can go and meet with them and they'll, you know, you make dinner together, you make dumplings. And then while you're there, um, they obviously at that point were, you know, pretty good English speakers, at least the two parents. And then, uh, and the, actually their daughter was a really good English speaker and they would also help you to learn something about Chinese culture, learn Chinese language. And, um, we've actually kept in touch with them to an extent. And we've heard that, that they're doing well, that they are okay. But the people of Shanghai right now, it was supposed to be only nine days. Now we don't even know where the end is in sight for this lockdown. The authoritarian CCP leadership is now the latest. We're hearing, and this is out of CNN, and Zero Hedge has it. Beijing is dispatching the military to Shanghai as expanded lockdown is triggering unrest. Thousands of troops, 2,000 military personnel, and another 30,000 medical workers are going to be sent to Shanghai, a city of 26 million people, one of the largest cities of the world, is now essentially under military occupation by the CCP. And not only are they being held like this, they're being forced to stay in their homes, they're being forced into quarantine chambers, they're being separated from their children if the children test positive or if the parents test positive. They have total control there and they can do this. So when I look at this situation and I think about the friends that I made that the when I was there, and I think about the people living under this authoritarian dictatorship, I have to step back and say, these are the same type of people that our leaders and our elites, the same type of policies, the same type of plans, the same type of powers that they want to appoint themselves here in the United States. They want you and your family and your children to be under this exact same kind of governmental power. And you can say, oh, well, it's about Omicron and we have to be careful. Keep in mind, we already know that Omicron isn't as strong as the other variants. They know that. But the point isn't making people healthy. We've already seen all the lockdown studies and shown that if anything, they had a minimal effect and probably caused more problems than they did good. But the CCP doesn't care about that because the point isn't health. It's not about your health. It's about power. It's about making sure that everybody knows in society who has power and who doesn't. In the CCP, they have the power. You do not have the power. Xi Jinping, he's the one who has total control in China. And by the way, speaking of Xi Jinping, ever since the Olympics happened, then the invasion of Ukraine happened, whole world wants to talk about Vladimir Putin, People want to say, what's he doing? What's he up to? What's he thinking? Xi Jinping, total free reign. I said it before. I said it prior to the Olympics even started. I wrote about this in Newsweek. You are going to see a situation where the island nation of Taiwan is completely subjugated. They're going to be invaded. They're going to be taken over, and they're going to be locked down by the Chinese military, the PLA. And the world isn't going to lift a finger to say or do anything about it. Oh, they might, you know, I guess they might have some conference. They might release a statement. But at the end of the day, there's nothing. They have no leverage. These people have total control. And meanwhile, our elites are looking at Klaus Schwab and saying, 
How can we replicate that system and that program here in the United States and across the West? We want some of that here. That's what we want. The fact that you have so many, so many Ukrainians seeking refuge in, the, in this, in this uh, country of Poland. We understand that because we have in our southern border thousands of people a day, literally, not figuratively, trying to get into the United States. So this is a massive story. New documents that have been leaked from the Department of Homeland Security to Breitbart reveal Biden's mass migration plan offering broad-scale release mechanisms. Randy Clark wrote it up. The Department of Homeland Security is disseminating a mass migration plan devoid of any removal mechanism to replace the soon-to-end CDC Title 42 emergency health order. We've talked about the end of Title 42. The new plan predicts the DHS traditional processing capabilities will be overwhelmed immediately, as we know, and require an increase in the use of, quote, broad-scale release mechanisms. The plan reviewed by Breitbart Texas acknowledges the end of Title 42 will likely result in a surge in illegal migration. Isn't that nice? Our own government knows what their own policies are going to do. The increase is already manifesting itself as apprehensions rise. In March, Border Patrol agents apprehended more than 200,000 migrants. 200,000 per month coming into this country, and that's with Title 42 in place. So what happens when Title 42 takes off? The draft plan recently circulated to senior DHS staff is dated February 17, 2022. A source within the agency not authorized to speak to the media says the plan offers no concrete options other than to exhaust more resources to absorb what will likely be a historic wave of migrants at the southern border. What is it called? The Southwest Border Mass Irregular Migration Contingency Plan. This is completely insane. Your own government ladies and gentlemen, knows exactly what's going to happen. They're telling you what's going to happen. Keep in mind, this was written in February, so the work was probably done in January, a month before the 200,000 came up in March. They know exactly what they're doing. Now, I'm familiar with Hanlon's razor, right? Hanlon's razor is do not attribute to malice that which you can attribute to incompetence. That's Hanlon's razor. That being said, When DHS is producing documents that tell you, they say, sir, there's going to be a massive surge of migrants if you take off Title 42, this uh, this public health order, the current thing, it was signed by President Trump all the way back in the early stages of the pandemic, early stages of 2020, and there's going to be a mass irregular migration coming forward if you take this thing off. Sir, that's what's going to happen, just so you know. They're doing it anyway. They're taking it off the books. So when I see things like that and we get documents like this, you really have to ask yourself, are we seeing the managed decline of the United States, like they used to say, or are we now seeing a complete freefall? Look at this in terms of economic policy, energy policy, our currency, our foreign policy, from Afghanistan to Ukraine, from Kabul to Kyiv. Our country's foreign policy is in complete shambles. Our border is about to be completely open wide. The floodgates are about to open. DHS knows it's going to happen. Your money is about to be worthless. Our economy is about to tank. And and, and Jen Psaki is going to the Peacock Network. Of course she's going to the Peacock Network. 
everybody is about to start running from the sinking ship that is the Biden administration. And that's all the time we have here today, Human Events Daily. Remember, our promise, our oath, our solemn vow to you, be good, be brief, be gone. And remember, your homework for us, share this out with one, just one of your normie friends and leave us your five-star review, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. What did we talk about today? Elon Musk taking a leadership position in Twitter and then also the implications of that more broadly for Generation X. Next, we talked about KBJ, the fact that she is going to be getting in and snakes like Senator Mitt Romney are supporting her. Third, we talked about the CCP deploying military assets to enforce the Shanghai lockdown. And finally, most explosively, the Biden administration's mass migration plan for the southern border. But before we go, it's time for today's moment of history. 82 years ago, April 1940, 25,000 Polish military officers and intelligentsia were slaughtered in the Cotton Massacre by the NKVD, Soviet agents. And it was covered up by the West for years because it was seen as politically incorrect. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.